good to be with you guys this morning. How many, uh, uh, let's just say, how many of you guys served in the military and maybe overseas too? Why don't you guys stand so we can just really thank you for your service too. Awesome. Awesome, you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much. Great. You may be seated. Father, we come before you this morning to thank you so much for your love, for your grace, for your mercies. And Lord God, we pray for this great battle that we're facing today, Lord God. Lord, a battle that, Father, you've given us the power to conquer and to overcome. Father, as we become spiritual men of our homes, on the job, in the playground, wherever we are, Lord God. And Father, we do pray for these men that have come here today. Lord, that we would give an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today, Lord God. Father, in the midst of all the things that are going on in the world, Lord God, it's awesome to know you, Lord. And to know, Father, that you are in control of everything. So, Lord, we give you this morning all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. And, Lord, we ask you that you anoint every one of the speakers in a unique way, Father, to speak to each one of us as you would want to speak, Lord. We give you all the praise, all the glory, the honor. We pray for our young men in Afghanistan, Iraq, those serving all over the world, Father. And Lord God, we pray that you give our precedent wisdom this morning, Father, concerning Iran. And Father, concerning Israel, Lord. And Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit would give the church an urgency, Father, to tell people about Jesus. We thank you for this time, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, God. Amen. Well, this morning the title of my message is, Know Your Enemy. And you know, there are so many Christians today that really do not understand who the enemy is. And the reason is because they become ignorant because of the teaching of the Word of God. You know, one of the things about churches that I, I, I travel all over the country, all over the world, and, and one of the things when I get to see is to see the churches that are really are making an effect in the community. And most of those churches that are doing that are churches that are teaching the Scriptures, the Word of God. You know, there's no other possible way that I know how to teach, but from Genesis to Revelation, so that I can understand the full counsel of God. You can't grow through topical teaching, because then people teach their pet topics. But it's really important that you make a habit in your life. If you really know your, if you want to really know your enemy, then you start in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1, and you move through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You go to the book of Joshua, and then you move all the way through, man, into the book of Malachi, and then you start in the New Testament, Matthew, to the book of Revelation, and when you finish, you start all over again. And you will see that from Genesis to Revelation, the enemy is very active. Very active. And I think it's really important for us as men, if we're going to be married to our wives and have children, and then we're going to become grandparents, that we know we have to be the spiritual leaders of our homes. We really do have to do that. 
And I know that there have been some major problems among the men all over the countries I travel. I always like to talk to men because one of the great weaknesses that has taken us over today is having a computer. We all love computers. We love the programs that are, you know, are using computers. But one of the most dangerous things is a computer and also going in the internet because then you have an open door for whatever ever you want to see in the internet. And one of the things that has been in my counseling with men is the actual problem with pornography. Huge. Huge. I was at a conference with about 4,000 men and I had every one of them close their eyes, bow their heads, and I asked them, how many of you are struggling with pornography? 80% of the conference. 80%. It can be soft porno, it can be hard porno. And one of the things about that is that you're going to destroy your life. You're going to destroy your sexual life with your wife. Because she's not going to perform like those people in those movies or whatever. Because it's not true. It's all, it's all a performance. And God has given us what we need to be doing with our wives in the Scripture biblically. So that we don't get carried away and become slaves to sin. And one of the things that really plays in a man or a woman's life, it's the mind. The mind is so strong. It's like a computer. Once, you know, a lot of times people don't know that, that, you know, wives come to me and say, well, I think my husband is pretty messed up. I think that he's dealing with pornography. I think he's watching it. I said, how do you know? Well, a lot of things have changed in our home, especially in our sexual life. And one of the things I always share with women, I share with men, is that, you know, it's real easy to find out if you've really been on those websites because the computer has a brain just like you have a brain. And in that brain, it keeps a memory. Every site you've ever been to is there forever. Forever. You can't get away from it. All you have to do is have an expert computer guy go into the brain of the computer. That's why when there's a murder or something, they seize the computer and they take it into the courts. Why? Because they have the evidence, the evidence to prove that this is part of the murder. You see? So I think it's really important that we're going to be uptight today. We're going to be up front. And I think that if we came to this conference, we came here because we want a solution. If we have a problem, then there's a solution to it. There's a solution. And the solution is God. And the way to do that is, first of all, to look at your life, stand back, not become defensive. But to really open your life and open your heart before the Lord. And that by the end of this day, when you go back home... You will be a free man. That God has set you free. And you will be tempted and you will be tried. But yet, you know what? The Lord is with us. And we can overcome. I'll give you some points in a moment here. In the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill, to destroy. And I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Think about that. We do have an enemy. His name is Satan. One of the things that I learned when I was in Vietnam is there were three, three major people that we had to watch out. Farmers, 
whether they were civilians or farmers or MVA or Viet Cong, because they all identify themselves in a different way. And we really have to be careful on identifying our enemy. Why? Because we didn't want to kill civilians. We did not want to kill civilians. Sometimes we did by mistake. It happens in war. But one of the things that the enemy was doing in Vietnam is you walk into a village, though actually you would never see young guys because the young guys were taken by the Kong. And the other thing is you would see a lot of old people, and you know, male and female, and then a lot of women, not old women, and they would use these people as in the front lines, you know, as targets to protect themselves behind innocent civilians. That was the major problem. And that's what Satan does. Satan disguises himself. The Bible says it's an angel of light. Can you believe that? As an angel of light. So we really need to discern. We really need to have discernment. We need to be careful in recognizing who Satan is. And one of the great things about knowing your enemy, in the book of Genesis chapter 3, turn there. In the beginning of the book of Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Here Adam and Eve have just been married by the Lord. They're in a perfect condition. They're in the garden, and they have no shame. They're in total nudity. They don't even know it. And sin has not entered into the garden of Eden, and they're very happy together. And it says in chapter 3, verse 1, And now the serpent, or the dragon, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he, made, and he said to the woman, notice, now we really don't know what happened to Adam if he went fishing or whatever, but he wasn't around. And, and one of the things that I've learned by reading this scripture and studying this passage is that a lot of times the absence of men in their homes brings the enemy into your home. And who does he attack? Your wife. Your children. Real important for you guys to spend time with your families. And be the spiritual head of your home. Making sure you're sitting down and reading with your wife, praying with your wife, your children. If you're single, the same thing goes for you. You need to spend time in accountability with God. God sees everything. God hears everything. we got to remember that. That the Lord knows who we are. We know who He is. So we can't do anything apart from Him. I know that in my life. When this serpent... Or the dragon came into the garden. Notice that the first thing he saw was the woman. So what does he say? Verse 2. He, or verse 1 he says, And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The first thing that he does is puts what? A question mark in her mind. Doubt. Doubting God's word. Interesting. You really believe the Bible? You really believe that there's a God? You've never seen Him. Are you sure that there's a God? Because if there's no God, guess what? You can do whatever you want because when you die, you become non-existent. Man, that was the lie of the enemy with me. He really played on my mind before I came to Christ. He had me convinced there was no devil. 
You know what the first tattoo that I got when I was 17 years old? The devil on my right arm. Satan. Because I thought he would give me power. And I was a Catholic. I was religious. I was saved. And I really believed that everything that Satan would do for me would be powerful. And it's interesting that as I became a Christian, I began to read the Bible and study the Bible and become a teacher of the Word of God, that I began to be ministered to by the Word of God, even as I saw the story here of Adam and Eve. Because he's challenging the woman, has God really said? And then check this out, verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, he said, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it. Now she should have stopped her, but she added to this, Nor shall you touch it lest you die. God never said that. She added to the word. That's why you really need to know the word of God. The Bible says that, okay, then quote the Bible, but don't quote anything else. Make sure that when you're talking to the enemy, you know what you're talking about. And always not your words, but God's words. It has to be God's word. Because when he saw that, he said, all right, man, I got her in the palm of my hand. Verse 3, uh, verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. Oh, man, are you kidding me? As a matter of fact, guess what? You'll be just like God's. You'll be just like God. That really intrigued her mind when he said that. Notice verse 5. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing the good and the evil. This is where the Mormons get their doctrine of becoming God's. Interesting. And she, the woman, saw that the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes, the tree desirable to make one wise. And she took the fruit of it and ate it. And then she also gave to her husband. Then he appears there with her. And he ate. And the eyes of both of them were open. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covered. For the first time in the world, once they partook of the fruit, it happened. Their real eyes were open. And they saw their nakedness. And they were ashamed. And what did they do? They hid from God. Isn't that what we do? When we sin? Why? Because of the guilt that we carry. The guilt. And guilt will kill you. It's really important that we understand that it's not only the guilt that takes us down, but check this out. The moment you sin, fellowship with God is what? Broken. Broken. Until you repent. You can go to church, you can read your Bible, you can pray, but you ain't going anywhere. Into this repentance. There's no possible way. It's like a telephone line. In the old days, the cord is cut. There's no more service. Until you make things right with God. And here God, He sees the whole thing because they're hiding. And then it says in verse 8, And then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the, in the garden of the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Did you notice that? They hid from the presence of the Lord. What happens is when you sin, the presence of God is affected in my life. 
the Holy Spirit is what? Grieved. It hinders the Holy Spirit working within my life. He can't work. And then it says, And the Lord God called out to Adam and said, Adam, where are you? Underline that. That's not an angry God, a mad God. That's a father that loves his children. And he's calling out and saying, man, why did you do it? Why did you do it? God is omnipresent. He knows everything. He knows where they were hiding. He knows where you're at today. So stop hiding. God is saying, where are you spiritually this morning? Do you know your enemy? Do you know that Satan wants to rob and steal and kill you? That's what Satan wants to do. And yet here we see that in the Christian life, we have to learn how to identify, number one, our enemy. And we also have to learn how to fight our enemy. Two words, identify and fight. Real important. Because one of the things that is the worst thing is when you have an enemy and you can't see him. Man, frustrating. Frustrating. And yet the Bible tells us that our enemy transforms himself into an angel of light. And yet he's in darkness. So we really need to be careful. I get very concerned when people get saved because unless they get themselves immediately into a good teaching church and begin to study the Word of God, then if they don't do that, they become victims of what? And they become victims and casualties in the church because they have no defense system. They don't know what to do unless they're taught the Word of God. That's why Paul the Apostle says, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Real important. And when you talk about the whole armor of God, it's right here before us. You see the helmet? You mean the shield, the sword? I mean, the whole thing is there. You cannot fight without the armor of God. What I find interesting in Ephesians chapter 6 Verse 10 through 18 is that he never ever talks about the back part of the armor. Why? Because we're not cowards. We don't run. We do not run. We're always to go forward, straight ahead. We are conquerors. We are victors. Our confidence is in Jesus Christ, not in ourselves. And we want to fight that battle and win the battle, not lose the battle. We, we can only do that through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And when Satan sees the weaknesses, Satan immediately will come after these people and try to steal the word of God from their hearts immediately, like the parable of the sore. The first one had no faith. The second was an emotional hearer. The third one was the one that was, had everything in life and he would not come to cry. But the fourth one was the one that come and hear and they take effect and by faith they come to Christ and they start reading and praying. They get involved. They are in groups of prayer and they're really fighting the battle and they're witnessing and sharing with other people the dangers of being outside of Jesus Christ. Real important to understand that. Satan is your not, you know, Satan is not your friend. 
He hates God and he hates you. And he hates God's people. And yet there's a lot of people that do not believe that there is a real literal devil. They think it's a myth. They think it's a myth. They don't really believe it. And yet Isaiah the prophet, in Isaiah chapter 14, 12, he says this, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations for such. He says, For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, speaking of the angels. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. The Shekinah glory of God. I will be like the Most High, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, hell, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth to tremble? One day when we see Satan, we're going to say, Is that him? you got to be kidding me. It says, who shook the kingdoms, who made the world as wilderness and destroyed its cities. Can you imagine that? I mean, we're going to see Satan one day and we're going to say, is that him? Because, you know, we got a picture of Satan with, you know, a pitchfork and two horns and, you know, really ugly. But the Bible says that he's a beautiful angel. He used to be a cherubim. Gabriel and Michael are cherubims. They're archangels. Amazing. It is believed by some writers that Michael, the archangel, was the angel of God protecting the throne of God. And Gabriel was the archangel of Jesus Christ. And Satan at one time was the protector of the Holy Spirit. Interesting. But Satan fell. Not only does Isaiah, but Ezekiel, chapter 28, 11 through 19 says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation against the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus saith the Lord God, You were sealed in perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in the garden of Eden. The garden of God, every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the ox, and the jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise, the emerald, the gold. The workmanship of your trembles and pipes were prepared for you on the day you were created. You know, uh, uh, Dwight Pentecost says in his commentary that it is very important that we understand that it could be that Satan was the literal choir director in heaven. Because of this scripture here. Until he got kicked out. And polluted what the music today. Think about that. Think what dominates our world today. The music. The music. So dirty today. Filthy. Especially rap. It's incredible. And here's Satan. He says, you were anointed the cherubim who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I, God, have cast you out as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I will destroy you, O covering cherub. From the midst of the fiery stones, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Imagine that. 
So it's beauty. You corrupted your wisdom from the sake of your splendor. I cast you out to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defile, you notice you defile your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst. I devoured you. I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. One day God is going to take care of him. He, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and one third of the angels that fell with Satan are going to be cast into the lake of fire. With death and hell. Imagine that. It's coming soon. He knows that it's running out of time. When I was in one of my classes, Dr. Grant at Sousa Pacific University, I was working on my master, and it was a class on the religions of the world. I got blown away. He says, you know what? Our world is like this, like a funnel. You see cheerleaders with the funnel, right? When they scream. Real narrow at the end, but at the, at the, at the actual end of the funnel, is huge. He says, when everything started, you take the funnel, you turn them around, and it was really, really big. Everything was big. And everything starts as time moves on. It starts not getting bigger. It starts narrowing down until you get to the end of that little microphone or little funnel. And it's really narrow. That's the way Satan today knows that time is short. And pretty soon he's going to be judged. So what is he doing? He has a full power of war against the church. And against the world today. He hates it. He's pushing Iran to go against Israel. Man, things are on the edge. We are at the bottom of the line. And we need to know our enemy because they W. Tozer said, quote, The devil is a better theologian than any of us and is a devil still. Harold Lindsay said, Satan is neither <clears throat> omnipotent nor free to do everything he pleases. Prince of the world he may be, but the prince of peace has come and, the, and, notice, and dealt with him a dead blow against Satan. The victory already has been won. Has been won. Like what Paul the Apostle says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, he says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course, he notice, in the power of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and of, notice what he says, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. There were three things that were coming against us. The world, the flesh, and the devil still come against us. In 1 John 2, 15 to 17, the world, he says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And it's not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Forever. Secondly, the flesh, the old nature that we inherited from Adam. 
Galatians 5, 16, 20 says, Then I say, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the desires of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that you do not do the things you wish. But if you are led by the Holy Spirit of God, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are what? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, which means drugs, hatred, Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revilers, and like of which I tell you beforehand, just as also I told you in times past, that those who continue to practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. That's heavy. You're in pornography today? You die like that? You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Any one of those sins. He's talking to Christians, remember, to the church. Real important. And then thirdly, the devil. John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil, the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not sin in the truth because there is no truth in him. He speaks a lie and is always lying, speaking from his own resources, for he's a liar and the father of lies. Satan. Our enemy. Know your enemy. Who is he? What does he do? Notice we do not fight from we do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. Not for victory, from victory. We fight as Christians. So unless we know our enemy, where he is, what he can do, we have a difficult time defeating him. We need to know who he is. Because he not only is called the serpent, he's called the accuser, he's called the adversary, he's called the ruler of darkness, he's called the old serpent, he's called the wicked one, he's called the prince of demons. And then when you talk about his character, he's lifted up with pride, he's perfect, and he was perfect until he sinned, he was great, he was one of the greatest fallen angels. He always is tempting men to sin. He's the father of lies. He is the deceiver, and he's the wicked one. And then thirdly, guess what? How do we overcome Satan then and his power? Well, let me give you seven things. Number one, we need to watch ourselves against Satan and his devices. Watch. Be on the alert. Be on the alert. 2 Corinthians 2.11 he says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not stupid of his devices. Be on the alert. Know your enemy. Number two, we fight against Satan. How? By putting on the full armor of God. It's there for you. Check this out. Ephesians 6, 10 to 12. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We need to know how to fight. Thirdly, we need to resist the devil by submitting to God. By submitting to God. 
The word that he uses to submit in Ephesians chapter 5.21 for husbands and wives is hupatasso. It's a military term to be underneath. To be underneath. When Job talks about the actual enemy, you know, when Satan comes and presents himself before Job, he says, have you ever considered my servant Job? The word consider in the Hebrew is an interesting word. It's a general standing on top of a hill, looking down on his enemy, strategizing, how am I going to kill my enemy? Satan comes every day before the presence of God and says, what? Where you been? He says, oh, I've been cruising up and down the earth. He says, have you ever considered whatever your name may be? Have you been studying him? Have you been strategizing against him? Imagine that. He strategizes against us. If he does that, then should we not strategize against him? In every way we can. James chapter 4. Verse 7 says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you real easy. But if you don't have the word of God, and you're not praying, and you're not really baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're not in church connected to a church, then what kind of a defense system do you have? Zero. Zero. You need to be accountable to other men. Make yourself accountable. If you have a problem... With pornography, whatever it may be, talk to your friend. Make yourself accountable. And what I would do is I would go home today and get rid of all the literature. I remember when my wife found all my playboys underneath my bed. I used to have all kinds of playboys, man. The first time I got exposed to pornography, I was only like five to seven years old with my dad. And I never forgot that all the rest of my life. So it's really important that we understand the mind is powerful. And Satan is powerful. And then you know what number four is? Overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Check this out. Revelations 12, 10, 11. And then I heard a loud voice saying, In heaven, not salvation and strength, the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren, the ac who accuses them before our God day and night, has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives anymore unto death. Imagine that. So we need to overcome. We are overcomers. Five, protect ourselves daily through prayer. Ephesians 6, 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end in all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And number six, we use the Word of God to our defense. Like Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, 3 to 10. Remember when Satan came, the tempter came and tempted him. If since you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, it is written. Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In all three temptations, Jesus overcame the devil by what? The word of God. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, the attacks came. And he overcame them. And then lastly, we need to practice righteousness. Righteousness. 1 John 3, 7 through 9 says, Little children, let no one deceive himself or deceive you. 
He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not make a practice of sin, for his seed remains in him, which is the word of God, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. I like that. Because we've been born of God. Let me finish with a little illustration here. Read it to you. While on a trip to the zoo one day, a boy and his father saw a huge lion. The lion was prowling around in his enclosure and letting out chilling roars. The boy became very frightened and screamed in terror, but his father remained calm and unafraid. Why? The boy was frightened because he saw only the lion, while the father was unafraid because he saw the cage enclosing the lion. The Christian's view of Satan should be like that of a father rather than, a, than the boy. For our fierce enemy is like a caged lion. Don't you forget that. God bless you guys.